Okay, <clears throat> I want to begin with a question. It is this, how easily, uh, how easily do you give up? How easily do you give up? Now I think it's, it's largely depends on how important the thing is to you that you're doing. I mean, obviously if it's, if it's very important, you have a tendency to hold on and not give up very easily. And then there are probably some things that we start that we have no intentions of ever finishing, you know, and, and because we didn't count the cost. You know, a lot of times you can jump into something and say, yeah, I'm going to do that. I, I'm sort of guilty of that from time to time. I will get an inspiration for, to do something, but I really didn't plan it out. I didn't think it out. I didn't, I, you know, I did, I did not count the cost. And so the project never gets finished. Um, it was Zig Ziglar that said this. He said, when a, when, a, uh, when a matter is once begun, you leave it not until it's done. And be a matter great or small, you do it well or not at all. I like that statement. Now, on the other hand, there are things that we, we set out to do and we've learned to pace ourselves. And I think this is critical. You know, we, it's a big project. And we, we pace ourselves, we spread it out, and we're not too hard on ourselves. We, we have patience, and we can see the project from the beginning to the end. I, I think it's good. I think, that, I think God likes that when we do that. We count the cost, we plan it out, we pace ourselves, and we can finish the project. We know, in other words, we know from the get-go that this is not going to be an overnight success. I don't know of anything that's overnight success. I mean, maybe there is, but, but most things are sort of take a while to come to. Now, everything has a starting point and everything has a finishing point. And sometimes we're guilty of almost finishing something. And I've done that too. I mean, I, it's like when I see I can get it done, I'm satisfied. And I leave one little thing undone. You know, just one little thing. It was a piece of trim in my home that never got finished. And I would be reminded of it. When I sit on the couch, I would look at that. And the room was nice, but the one piece of trim was never finished. It's like Teresa once informed me, and she was right. She said, uh, you almost shut the drawer, you know. <laughs> it's like, or the door, you know. It's like the drawer will be left open about an inch. And it's just... How, how hard is it to go ahead and just push that all the way? And then, of course, you've got people that, you know, one of these days I'm going to get around to it. And that's actually something you can buy. It's a round piece of wood. And it says around to it. So you can give that to people who are always saying, I'm going to get around to it. You actually hand them that. And, of course, some of the excuses of, you know, if I can't do it right, I'm not going to do it at all. People can use that excuse a lot. But anyway, whatever you're doing, how easily do you give up? Now, I want to begin by turning to a passage in Luke 11 and verse 5. Luke 11 and verse 5, talking about the subject of giving up and the importance of uh, never giving up. And he said to them, Luke 11 and verse 5, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight, now, this, this, if this was my friend, I would kill him, because uh, he's going to him at midnight. <clears throat> and saying to him, friend, lend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. 
And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. And I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given. You seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks receives, and he that seeks finds. And to him that knocks, it shall be opened. And some translations say, uh, because of his shamelessness. This guy didn't have any, you know, he just kept knocking, you know, on the door, midnight. Give me some bread, whatever. Uh, other translations say, because of his boldness. Because of his persistence. Uh, he kept on asking. Now, think about it. Why do we even have to ask in the first place? I mean, doesn't God know what we want before we ask? Why do we have to keep asking? Why do we have to keep asking? Uh, doesn't God hear us the first time? He's not hard of hearing, is he? You know, why, why do we keep, you know, why do we have to keep trying? How many times should I keep trying until I give up? How many times should I keep trying until I give up? Now, it was Peter asked Jesus on the subject of forgiveness. He said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? There's a magic number. Seven times. <laughs> After that, you're out of here. <laughs> Whatever. And, and Jesus said to him, I say not unto you until seven times, but until 70 times seven. So maybe what Jesus is really saying is, you never give up. You never give up. Um, now, I, I was thinking about that. Do you know, at least this is my opinion, there, there's really, really is no, no such thing as failure. Failure is only when you quit trying. Well, think about that. Failure is only when you quit trying. If you were in a maze, you ever been in a maze, you know, claustrophobic, I can't even go in a maze anymore, you know, it's like freaks me out that I, I can't, you know, it's the end, you know, but anyway, you're, you're running through those little tunnels or maze or whatever, and, and you come to a dead end. And what do you do? Well, you turn and go back the other way. But you come to another dead end. And then you come to another dead end. Well, if you just crawl up in a ball and start crying, you know, you're a failure. You are a failure. But if you keep trying, you know. So when I think about it, failure is only when you quit trying. There is no such thing as failure. You know, failure, you can look at failure as you know, a hurdle that you must jump over or a roadblock. And if it's a roadblock and you just stop and you ball up and start crying or whatever, then, then you are a true failure. But there is no failure, failure, not really. And often how we look at sin, uh, it, this is also critical, how we look at sin. Just because you have sinned doesn't mean that you're a failure. As long as you, don't, you keep trying. You keep trying to be an overcomer. In fact, the Bible says, he that overcometh shall not be hurt by the second death. So how you look at this, you know, is this a, a hurdle I must, I must jump, overcome, you know, climb over, or, what are, or is this a roadblock? There are no failures. Now, I was listening to a, a podcast by Sean McCabe. The subject was, the title was The Magic of Seven. 
It's a fascinating concept I want to share with you. And he was talking about how to build an audience. Uh, how, to, how to build an audience, how to get people to listen to you. But I, I think this, this concept applies to also evangelism and outreach. The magic of seven. Now, is there a number? Is there a number? If I, if I tried this many times, I will succeed. You know, I think there is a number. Now, it may not be seven, but there is a number. If I just keep doing this, I will succeed. There is a number out there. May not be seven, but, but anyway, just, just try to follow this, this concept. He said, it takes, uh, let me put on my glasses. It takes <laughs> hearing new information seven times in order to retain it. Uh, for people to really hear and internalize your message, we all have a message, they need to be exposed to it seven times. This concept applies to products you, you are selling, just as it applies to relationships in your personal life. The magic of seven. Now, you know, the number seven in the Bible, it is significant. I mean, there's, there's seven holy days. There's the seventh day Sabbath. There's the seven weeks to Pentecost. There's seven trumpets. I mean, it is a, a number that is worth noting. In other words, people don't notice announcements. They notice consistency. It takes hearing about your product or your message seven times for people to even be aware that it exists. Now, I'm not talking about selling the product. I'm just talking about in order to be aware that you've got a product seven times. Amazing. Now, much could be said about this concept in the, in the area of evangelism. You know, evangelism is a message. It's a message. How do you sell that message? We have a song that we sing. I love to tell the story. The story is about your message. Go ye therefore into all the world and tell them your story. And I, I think, I really think, I think it happened to me a long time ago that, you know, you, you tell your story and then you're rejected. And you think, I'm never going to do that again. I tried it one time, though. <laughs> and so, oh, no, I'm not interested, you know, and, and you sort of, rejection hurts, you know. And, but, you know, that's not the point. The point is to get to that selling point, the magic of seven. And sometimes we don't like repeating things because we can be like a broken record, you know. I, I, I'm just saying the same thing over and over again. I sometimes, when we eat at my mother-in-law's, mother Teresa, I've noticed it's about Teresa. It sort of gets to me sometimes, but uh, she will ask, is, you know, what are, what are the vegetables cooked in? Or is this pork in these food? You know, I mean, every time. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, that, that's, that's, that's sort, sort of cool. It's, it's the concept of the magic of seven. You keep repeating that until it, it clicks here, you know? And... Um, now, there's creative ways to share the same message. You know, you don't have to do it the exact same. There, there are creative ways to share the same message that you're given over and over again. Now, the great part about the magic of seven is that when someone hears something for the seventh time and it resonates, they give you the credit for it. <laughs> now, that's, that's you know, uh, even if six other people put in those initial impressions, 
you get the credit for being the seventh person. They think, you know, they think, oh, you came up with the idea, whatever, you know. Now, it doesn't matter if it's been said before. There is nothing new under the sun. I give you an example. There's a woman that uh, through the program, is that really in the Bible? Oh, man, she's on fire. I mean, she's, you know, the, 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 the truth. I mean, she's really, and she's an elderly woman up in her 70s. And she's just so grateful and writes me letters and so thankful for some of the CDs and, and messages that I have sent her and given to her. And I found out that earlier in life that she had been exposed to the United Church, their uh, magazine, United Church of God. You see, those impressions were there all along. Impression one, impression two, impression three, impression four, five, six, and I just happen to be maybe number seven. And I get the credit. <laughs> now let's look at Ephesians 4 and verse 16. Ephesians 4, because as a body, somebody's got to get the credit, but it doesn't matter. As a body, we work together. Ephesians 4 and verse 16, for whom, from whom the whole body fitly joined together, notice this, and compacted by which every joint supplieth, Notice that, every person, every joint, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. Now what's the purpose of all this? Maketh increase of the body into the edifying of itself in love. You know, as a, as a body, we are not in competition with one another. We are not in, it doesn't matter who gets the credit. It doesn't matter, you know. And, and when I think about the initial impression one, the initial impression two, three, four, five, and six, they're all equally important. They're just as, as important. I want to look at uh, Romans 10 verse 13, because this, this is a passage that talks about, uh, some, well, preachers, but maybe there's something that We've overlooked here. It says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now we've heard that a lot of times. You hear that in the world of Christianity. Just call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. But it goes on. How then? Romans 10 and verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of, of, of good things. Now the word preacher there is just someone who proclaims or publishes a message. I mean, it's just, and to be sent, maybe a person might say, well, I'm not sent. Well, yes, you are. You know, the Great Commission you are, that's for everybody. Go ye therefore into all the world, make disciples. So in that sense, you are sent. But I sometimes think we look at this and we say, well, I'm not a preacher. And we, in the process of saying that, we eliminate the magic of seven by our thinking, the magic of seven. 
Now, pointers to live by with this concept of the magic of seven. Just want you to think about this. And evidently, this is a short message. That's good because I'm getting hungry. Uh, <laughs> All right, number one. It doesn't matter if it's been said before. If it's someone magic seven time hearing it, they will attribute that value to you. Number two, the only way you will be the seventh time for somebody is to repeat, repeat, repeat. You just have to keep putting it out there. And realize you may be just impression one or two or three or four, but you just continue to repeat it. Number three, no one else does it like you. Now this is something you gotta realize. You are a, a unique person. You have your own message that is filtered through you. No one does it quite like you. Number four, everybody else isn't doing it. Now this is what you gotta understand. Most, I, I would be willing to say most people are probably sitting on their hands. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, but most people are not doing it. Number five, you have a unique angle of how you get a message out, how you witness, how you talk to pe people. You have a unique angle that only you can give. Do you realize that there are some people who will not receive that message? Like, you are the only one they will receive it from. There is nobody else that can give it but you. They will not receive it from no one else. It's an amazing concept when you think about that. Number six, having the confidence that you are collaborating with others. You are collaborating with, I'm talking about collaborating with the church of God because there are people out there doing the same thing and they are the initial impression, one, two, three, four, five, six, you are collaborating with others, always. And number seven, having, have the faith that what you are saying is someone's magical seven time, seventh time hearing it. That it will be that magical seventh time. Have the faith in believing that. That this person is going to respond because I'm that number. You know, in the Bible, you have the seventh trump. And that represents Christ's return. And guess what that means? It means it's time for people to hear. <laughs> it, it is a magical seventh time when that trump sounds. It will be time for people to hear. Uh, just a couple more verses here. In Isaiah 30 and verse 20. Isaiah 30 and verse 20. This is somewhat of a future event, I believe. Isaiah 30 and verse 20. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not your teachers be removed into a corner anymore, but your eyes shall see your teachers. And you shall hear, and thine ear, excuse me, shall hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way, walk you in it when you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. 
you know, for many, their magical seventh time will come in the future. But I, I think about this verse, it's, you know, they're going to think back. You know, I heard that back then. I heard a message back then. I heard the, that person saying the very, you know, back then. I remember that. Don't ever, never underestimate what you say today. Because it's going to be connected up in the future. You're going to hear a voice behind you saying, you know, this is the way. Walk you in it. I remember someone saying that exact same thing. One more verse, John 4 and verse 34, talks about the harvest. John 4 and verse 34. Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and finish his work. Say ye not, there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white, already to harvest. You know, I think about this. Maybe once we were rejected and we, you know, we quit. We, we tried to share the truth and we quit trying. We quit at impression number one. Maybe we gave up after that first impression. Maybe we gave up after the sixth impression. Well, I just want us to, to think about this and to carry this, this concept with you. And let us all pursue that magical seventh time of sharing with someone else.